This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, Season 8, Episode 25 of OwlScoop.com's podcast. I'm John DiCarlo, and it's just Javon Edmonds and I today talking about, you know, I don't know, one of the bigger moments in recent memory of the temple basketball program kyle and caden could not make it we're thinking of them today but uh what's going on javon uh i'm doing good semester started back up i'm inching closer and closer to to you old guys uh graduation is right around the corner Oof. you gotta get a ways to go before you before you catch up with me yeah, well according, according to some people i'm already there <laughs> Me and my uh, temptations and my yacht rock and my love for classic basketball. There's nothing, nothing wrong with any of that stuff. Exactly. Uh, we uh, we will start start things off with uh, having some fun with our famous number twenty fives. But of course, we have of course the 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 big 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 fifty six fifty five Temple win over number one Houston, the first Temple win over number one team in nearly twenty three years. Got some football content to tease to uh, as well. Got some mailbag questions, have some audio for you, uh, a one-on-one interview that I did earlier today with Heister Miller. Again, we'll preview tomorrow's game, or depending on when you're listening to this, um, the the game against USF coming up. That's kind of a tricky one for Temple. USF is 9-11. and 11. Temple, of course, can't let down now. And uh, yeah, Temple basketball, kind of like the mob. Just when you think you're out, pull you back in. That so, was... Uh, we uh, we shall see. You got a lot to get into there. Famous number twenty fives. A lot, a lot of them. Javon, what 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 comes to you? Well, we what an analogy! It is just when they think you know. I mean, that's <laughs> that's not one that's hard to to reach for, right? I mean, just when they think they, just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. Um, twenty five. <laughs> Gail Goodridge is the first one that comes to mind. Uh, hmm. Laker Greek. Barry Bonds, you said last week. 24 with the Pirates and then 25 with the Giants. Yeah. Trying to think. Jamal Charles was 25. Yeah, I believe he was. With with the Chiefs, he was 25. Uh, Shady McCoy, Mark McGuire, Jim Tomey. Wasn't Fred Boletnikoff? Again, I'll, I'll try to. Hope I'm getting that right for my late father. He was a big Oakland Raiders fan. I believe Fred Bolitnikoff was number 25. I think you're right on that wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right on on Fred. Yeah. So there's some some good (coughs) – excuse me. We don't have a dump button here So as I cough. But um, nonetheless, let's get right to this this big Temple basketball win. Again, uh, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that – this uh a big 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 thing for the owls again the first win over number one team since february of 2000 when john cheney the late great john cheney was coaching temple and they won at number one cincinnati that year so in case you missed it again i'm sure most of you did not Tremont marks attempt hit the rim fell short at the buzzer with core john cooch defending him and and, and core played a terrific game defensively and temple's now 12 and 9 uh overall they're alone in second place in the American with a six and two conference record. So it doesn't 
it, it helps Temple, of course. It doesn't, of course, vault them into immediate automatic NCAA tournament big conversation. Temple's 126 now in the latest net rankings, and they're five and two on the road. They're two and zero in quad one games, and now they're 113th in the Ken Palm ratings, which are more of a, a predictive metric, but. It's kind of funny, Javon, like last week, I think we said that Temple couldn't beat Houston by like by playing their game, but they sort of did, right? I mean, they didn't score in the mid-70s like Houston does, but they they defended, they rebounded, played a real physical brand of basketball, and uh, obviously had to hold on for dear life, almost blew that that seven-point lead. And what we'll talk uh, in a few minutes about whether it was a good idea or not a good idea to, to kind of slow things down there, but... Uh, beyond the obvious, how, how did they how did they pull this off? What are your thoughts on this? I actually don't know how they did it. Um, John, you look at the, the stat sheet. Temple was outclassed and outperformed in every metric possible, just about, that wins you games. The, I, I don't want to take anything away from Temple, but Houston beat themselves by going – 11 of 21 from the free throw line in a one-point game. Yeah, certainly it, didn't help. The, Houston outperformed Temple in every other category. It was impressive, though, for the Owls to still nonetheless come out with that win because I'm not going to act like they didn't force Houston to shoot less than 34% from the field, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jarris Walker, Tremont Mark, Marcus Sasser, those guys looked less than pedestrian on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to do. I mean, Houston's one of the best teams in the country. And we see them play some very good teams in March every year. And they never struggle like that, ever. So the fact that Temple was able to do it um, is something. And we've heard Aaron say before, you know, he knows Houston's the bully of the conference. And he knows you you have to put a team together to compete against them. And a a win Sunday without Jamil Reynolds Mm -hmm. kind of validates – I guess Aaron's mission or his goal when it came to assembling the roster. And, uh, you know, we all know this doesn't do anything for at-large hopes, but it does give them confidence that, hey, they see Houston again on Sunday, March 12th, with a chance to go to the NCAA tournament on the line. You know, it's a team that should be confident that they can pull off the seemingly impossible yet again. Yeah, and and we'll I'll, we'll play this clip in in a little while when we talk about whether or not they're ready to you know find that that sweet spot of celebrating Sunday, which they absolutely have the right to do, and then shrugging this off and saying, okay, we've got several more games left. We have to prove that we can be consistent. Do you think it sounds like such a simple question, Devon? But do you just need something like that for the guys to look around and say, I guess, yes, they almost lost that lead. Not big on style points, but if you stick to a process, if you defend, the things can actually pay off for you. I mean, how much of a teaching point can this be for Aaron McKee? I mean, that's it right there. He can tell. I asked him earlier today, it's like Aaron, they did better in every category and you guys still won. Like, well, I think what I really asked him no, no, I said, how do you want a game by shooting 31%, which is like almost impossible to do. And he said it himself, like just shows what happens when we're locked in on the defensive end. Uh, and, you know, he's an old school guy, like I said, played under Cheney, played under Larry Brown. So Aaron McKee hasn't really been around the most, uh, you know, the most calm and sane people in the world in his basketball career. 
Uh, so it, it makes sense for his team to take on that identity on defense. And like I said, I, I'm, I'm still shocked and in awe of how Temple came away with that win. Uh, you know, you cover these guys, feel happy for them, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think, and again, you, the, the program put out a couple of the, you know, the video clips of after the game and, you know, the celebration with the team throwing water on Aaron. And in another clip, he talked about, you know, talked to the team and said, look, and I'm paraphrasing here, we, we, we blew some opportunities, but here we are. Let's look ahead. I think if anything, among other things, they could really look at this and enjoy it, but they should also kind of be a little ticked off and say, wow, you know, look at what happens when we are really locked in as cliche as that sounds could have and should have beaten Maryland Eastern Shore and Wagner, you know, could have finished off Richmond down the stretch. Our season could be taking a little bit of a different turn now, but at the same time you say, all right, still a lot of basketball left to play. And if you can beat Houston again at home, again, it's a big if because they're still really good. Then what does that do for you? What is, you know, what is beating Memphis on the road do for you? There's still some, there's still some opportunities there. Um, and, and a big moment too, a big moment for the whole program, but a big moment for a couple of guys uh, as well in the front court. But I mean, defensively, they, and we'll talk more about how they guard high scoring guards. They held Marcus Sasser to 12 points on four of 11 shooting. And, you know, how many times did we talk about last season, how poorly they shot the ball or inconsistently they shot the ball from the foul line again, 20 of 22 from the foul line. Uh, just like you said, Houston wins this game. Otherwise, if they shoot just a little bit better from the line, Temple does not win this game if they don't shoot that well from the line. I mean, shooting 20 of 22 from the line on the road against most teams is pretty impressive for, for a group of college kids. And then, of course, the the big blocks from John Kucha and Nick Jordan at the end on, on Shed and Chaney. You know, again, we've, I think, fairly criticized core we didn't expect him to come in and be a double double uh guy every night but that's a big time you know if you're a shot blocker and you're thinking like weak side help what can i do here i mean like you couldn't have drawn that up any better i mean that's a big time block on the road in a big situation if core doesn't make that block they don't win and then nick just as impressively to be disciplined to block that shot from behind and not get called from for a foul blocking with his left hand and not fouling. I mean, two big, I would think, big confidence-building moments. I mean, Nick had, like, the, you know, the spin move and the dunk. Nick's put up better numbers. But, again, this sounds like a simple question that you'd ask at a press conference, Javon. But what does a, a, a moment and a stretch like that do for guys like Nick and especially Core? You know, a guy like Core who really has struggled to find his footing, is starting to come together a little bit more. I mean, they don't, again, they don't win the game without those guys. It's a collective effort, but those two guys especially played a huge, huge role down the stretch. Yeah, well, listen, our buddy Caden Steele has a story coming out in the Enquirer on Core's up, upbringing. And, mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, ever since it's been approved to go into the to the paper, Core's been balling. Granted, it's only been two games, but <laughs> East Carolina, three for five, didn't think I'd see that out of him, was aware on defense, wasn't making mistakes offensively. Against Houston, you know, uh, uh, one of two game-saving blocks, and he had a ridiculous one to start the game that really set the tone and set the tempo uh, for Temple. And then Nick Jordan, just as Kyle always says, he's knowing his role and he's succeeding in it. Uh, I, 
scale back on the jump shots, something to get Kyle would also say to Nick Jordan. Um, but those two guys, you know, along with Jalil White, they are the heart and soul uh, of Temple's defensive prowess. Uh, and they're the ones who get everybody going. And, and I know Jalil, you know, personally is looking forward to to South Florida uh, and, you know, containing Tyler Harris, who, you know, Aaron McKee described as one of those guys who you have to pick up as soon as he crosses the half court line. Yeah. So, uh, you know, those those three guys right there, they mean so much to Temple and very seldom do they show up on the box score with anything offensively. But you know, they're three guys you have to watch to understand their value. And let's talk about USF. And we got a little bit more on the Houston game uh, in the mailbag. And we've got some some audio for you there from Sunday uh, in answering one of our mailbag questions. But Javon, I'll ask you this, too, as we talk about now previewing this USF game. You can't help but be impressed that they beat Houston, obviously, even if they held on at the end. It's one of those things where you just have to tip your cap to Aaron McKee and the staff and the players and say, I mean, you did something really, really big here that could change the course of their season again. And when I say change the course of their season, it doesn't mean by any means that they're they're immediately back on the bubble as a as a you know an at large team. They're not yet, and they may never get there. But a big, big win nonetheless. Will they make more of a believer out of you if they come out and again? We're, we're recording this on on Tuesday night ahead of Wednesday's game. Will they make more of a believer out of you if they follow up? And do what they need to do at home against the USF team that has been tricky. Again, they're 9-11, but they are coming off an, uh, an impressive 85-72 win over a good, you know, a good UCF team, you know, uh, uh, that's been really good and had, you know, if UCF keeps things up, I mean, they could be a team with some tournament hopes. Again, we'll see how good UCF really is, but that's still a good win. You talked about how good Tyler Harris is. Russell Chiwa was really good against Temple the last time when they kept Tyler Harrison check, but will they will they make more of a believer out of you if they come out and don't let down and play well in this game? Give me a 10-point victory and I'll be a believer. Um, Aaron has said it himself, the conference games have all just been tight. Uh, I know one game in particular, Tulsa, that should not have been tight. It was a blowout and, you know, two more minutes left on the clock, Temple probably blows a lead. Um, so you, you want to prove to me that you're one of those best teams in the conference uh, and you know how to handle business. I need a 10 point victory tomorrow night. Uh, then I'll be like, okay, maybe this team is starting to turn the corner and understand what it has to do to live up to, you know, what they're supposed to be doing as a team. Yeah. And again, so Harris is averaging just a shade over 17 points a game this season. You know, Russell Chiwa, 11.3 points and 7.8 rebounds. Uh, you know, not the only two good players uh, at USF, but they're clearly the two that are the most capable of really wrecking the game against Temple. And the interesting story with Harris is that he played two seasons at Memphis, went to Iowa State for a season, came back to Memphis last season, and is now at USF for his final season, obviously playing really, really well. Again, an 85-72 win Saturday over UCF. Harris had 33 points in that game, and Russell Chiwa had just five points, but he did have 12 rebounds. Um Again, earlier today, Javon alluded to this. There was media availability. I had a chance to talk to to Temple point guard Hysir Miller, and we're going to play this entire interview for you here. It's about four minutes, but asked him, you know, about just recapping Saturday, excuse me, Sunday's win, and then, you know, they're human beings. How do you shake that off and just say, okay, still a ton of basketball left to play? Are they ready? Are they locked in? 
are they ready to move on and really apply what they've learned from from grabbing a you know a, a season defining win potentially and uh here's what i see miller had to tell uh tell me earlier today when we talked over the leah core center as they wrapped up practice but it, uh, i mean i know it's been a couple of days now and now you guys are tasked with the whole thing of like you had the biggest win of the season one of the biggest wins in recent memory for this program and now you have to move on from it how do you how long did you kind of give yourself to enjoy it and how much do you just kind of push it away now? Um, we are just right after the game. We just know we wanted to take the moment and just enjoy it. But we just knew we had another game coming up Wednesday. So kind of like after the flight, everybody just kind of knowing that we got like, have a good preparation on Monday. So I kind of say like just the day of, honestly, and then we kind of do a quick transition to another game. So what did, I mean, what did Sunday mean to you guys? I mean, this has been such an up and down season. You guys know how frustrating it's been. I saw the video of Aaron saying we've had some blow opportunities we got to move on now considering what you guys have been through what did it mean to just soak in everything on Saturday and beat a team like that um it was just big for our group um our coaches starting and then um down to the players especially like the older guys um Dame KB just them guys being around so long just getting a big win I think it just it was good for just us moving forward being from Philly you know you've grown up around here you know what the, the win means to the program did you just hear a lot more from people in the city being like wow that was that was huge I mean national attention was it was just fun to kind of enjoy that for a day? Um, I think it was it was just fun for everybody who um been supporting us the whole season, just beating a team like that. Um, I guess we was with the underdogs coming in, like, nobody thought we was going to pull it off, but we always believed that, and our supporters believed it too, but just seeing that come come true, I think it was big for the area. It looked like the plan Sunday, like Aaron said, was to, like, kind of welcome their pressure, like, welcome it, like, work through it. You guys did a good job also defensively on Sasser and did enough to win. I mean, did you guys kind of just feel things building and building throughout the game, saying, like, kind of following a process here and it's working. Um, I think the preparation leading up to the game, um, our two practices before the game, we um, watched film, we seen what they wanted to do and we just wanted to attack it the same way and then early in the game, we followed and executed and as we go on, we just stayed with the game plan and then gave us a chance to win at the end, just like any other game. What do you mean for you to see to see Cord get that block? I mean, that's an elite, weak side help. I mean, for him to block it, block it that emphatically. If he doesn't make that block and then if Nick doesn't follow up and make that block, you guys probably don't win the game. What did it mean to, for you guys just for, for that? them to have that contribution in the game. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of those guys, man. The defensive effort they've been having all season. But just for those guys who put work in every day to come up huge to help us win a game like that because, honestly, we was trumped almost and them, them guys just made two big plays at the end to kind of sell the game. So I think it meant a lot to me, but I was just happier for those guys because they put the work in. I mean, they they follow the game plan. they out there fighting every second, so it was good. When it's in the closing seconds, it was kind of eerily similar to the Memphis game, and you guys couldn't have you know, defended Defended that play any better? Were you thinking about that at all? Or are you kind of able to block that out and say it's a different game, different time? Um, honestly, um, I, w- I knew we was going to have a good defensive stand just following the Memphis game. I felt like we had we, we kind of had an idea what they wanted to run. We wasn't sure. And I think just seeing everybody active, I thought we was going to get the stop. But I, I was unsure, honestly. But uh-huh. once I seen um, they throw the, the, um, the lob and then we make a play on it, mm-hmm. it was like, dang, it came up short. What do you see from USF? I mean, it's the team that's had its struggles too, but they just had a big win over UCF. What have you seen? I mean, you didn't play them that long ago, but what do you see from them now? What's anything that's changed about them over the past couple weeks? Um, I don't think much has changed, but they still a team. It's the same team they were at home. Um, they like very good defensively, and, and they make shots. They got a good big and a good guard in Harris. So we just gotta, I mean, be honest and just play play a good game. Honestly, how does the team feel? Again, you guys are only human beings. Sunday was a huge deal. Do you feel like you've kind of 
done a good job of saying, okay, we enjoyed it, but now we really, we see what's possible when we follow a certain process. You guys kind of feel like you're in the right headspace now heading into tomorrow? I feel like um, everybody's locked in, everybody's dialed in, everybody's kind of past the Houston win, and everybody's kind of buying in and believing, like, what we could truly do. And I think everybody's just trying to focus on the next game so we can get to the next game and hopefully keep stringing some wins together and put ourselves in position to make some noise. All right, so again, I see Miller saying that he, he feels the guys are are locked in here, and uh, we'll see. We'll see tomorrow night or tonight, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, I think Javon makes a good point. You know, get a double digit win in this game. Maybe they'll they'll make some some believers. Hopefully, there's a better a better crowd. I know the fan base has been fickle. I know the fan base could rightfully say, "Hey, it's been some unwatchable basketball at times." But come on, get out and uh, I, I, get out and support. I think it's. I think it's worth pointing out that they don't have to make believers out of anyone but themselves, though. Um, oh, yeah. We're not the judge, jury, executioner. We, 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 in the grand scheme of things, you know, I love you, John, but John DiCarlo and Javon Edmonds mean nothing. Um, not to get dark here. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as long as they believe in themselves and then yeah. they go out and execute, they'll be fine. Uh, but nice to see a better crowd, though, come out. I get, I get it. Yes, the crowd. Night. I said on Sunday, if they don't show out the USF, whatever, I know what they expect from Temple fans at this point. But Sunday's win says there's no excuse to not show up to Leacor Center Sunday, February 5th, when Houston comes back to town. Like, yeah. There's nothing going on. That's Pro Bowl Sunday. And the Pro Bowl, number one, has been a joke for as long as I've been around. I've been alive, <laughs> just about. And, and, and number two, it's not even a game anymore. Yeah, it's at least there's no game this year. Like, so you've got no excuse to stay in the house. Get your butt up and walk the Leah Cords. You you pay the tuition of these guys that's on the team. I don't think students realize that. You might as well get something out of it and demand that they make your tuition worth it. Go, go to the game. Heckle them if you have to. Just show up and fill the seats. Yeah. Don't yeah. heckle. I, I I take that. Don't heckle. <laughs> uh, we've got some a uh, couple of basketball mailbag questions to get to here. Again, these are from our alscoop.com basketball message board. And these are screen names and some longtime subscribers here. Appreciate all of our subscribers and appreciate all of you as listeners. First one comes from the screen name Park Al. What did Temple do differently at Houston compared with the Wagner, Maryland, Eastern Shore, and Richmond games? And how can they replicate that to avoid stinkers the rest of the season? I mean, I think the simple answer is that they, 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 they locked in, they defended, they I, anything I say is going to sound like a cliche, so I'll just tip this one over to you. What do they do differently that where they didn't let down and they rose to the occasion? So, so you're right. They did something, which is why I'm saying they didn't change anything. Temple's thing is playing to the level of its competition. Wagner, Eastern Shore, the lead they had against St. John's, Vanderbilt. Temple plays to the level of its competition. Sunday, number one team in the country. Played to their level, walked out with a win. And so while they did something to like different, they also did nothing different. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. It's a it's a it's a cliche sports theme, but cliches, as much as I'd say we don't want them in our in our writing and journalism, they're they're true because they keep manifesting themselves. You're in and you're out. How do you get a team out of that habit? I know that, you know, any coach could say, well, if you find the magic solution for that, I'll bottle it up. But that's clearly one of the things that Temple has to do here. And again, I don't want to knock USF because they've got some talented pieces and they probably are looking at themselves saying we can probably be better than nine and 11. 
record-wise and on paper, there's an opportunity for a letdown here, but we know that they're they're better than their record would indicate. So how does how does Temple at this juncture in the season in late January break out of that pattern where they don't play up or down to the level of their competition? There's nothing the staff can do about that. That like I, I know people in sports love to the first thing they do is go to the coach or the star player. Some things are out of their control. Sometimes it's just the player's mindset and playing up and down to your, the level of your competition. A coach can say a whole bunch of stuff and try to tear you down and bring you back up as much as they can. You know, um, good luck doing that with this generation of athletes because, you know, everyone's quick to opt out of a contract or hit the transfer portal. Um, mm-hmm. But at some point, the athletes have to buy into it and accept it and do it themselves. They're the ones on the field. They're the ones on the court. They're the ones playing the game. They're the ones with control over it. So at some point, it gets out of the coaching staff hands and it has to click into the minds of the players. Yeah. Uh, the next uh, message board, excuse me, mailbag message board question here comes from The Hick. It's the screen name, another longtime subscriber. Appreciate the question here. Uh, first part of his question, can't win many games going the last seven and a half minutes with no buckets. How are they working to improve the offense's ball movement and to be less reliant on three-point shots? Um, and then there's a second part of his question here, which is how can the team get more from Caleb Battle, who continues to have a hard time finding his rhythm coming off the bench? We'll attack the first part of his question here. So I think that, you know, I would argue, Javon, maybe you feel the same way. And I, I wrote this on Sunday. You know, obviously, and we'll play some audio for you here in a second to answer part of your question. This is Aaron McKee in a second talking Sunday. Uh, you know, I would argue that they did move the ball a little bit better. Um, they, you know, they assisted on 11 of their 14 field goals. Again, as few as there were. I'm not saying the Temple should be patting its back for uh, patting itself on the back for hitting 14 shots from the floor, but. They just missed some open looks, a lot of open looks, some contested looks. I don't think they were playing necessarily poorly executed offensive basketball. I, I would argue that I, I saw some things that might encourage me. Now, again, Caleb Battle could have knocked down a couple of shots that would have really given them some some separation there. I think that more of the thing was slowing it down. So again, and Aaron said we didn't exactly get the results we wanted there, but we won. So I'll take it. It's easy in, in retrospect to say it should have kept the ball moving. But uh, Javon, am I wrong in in saying that I think they did move the ball fairly well before that? Again, it did not lead to 70, 80 points in a comfortable win, but I, I didn't see a ton of bad offense. Now, when they elected to slow things down and Aaron is saying, you know, Dane was leaking oil there at the end. We wanted to try to get to the line. We knew some of those guys were in foul trouble. Again, it didn't exactly go the way I wanted, but am I, was I seeing things or were they actually moving the ball fairly well and just not knocking down some shots? They were moving it fairly well for Temple standards for the first 33 minutes. Those last seven minutes, though, especially the last three, was not a fan of. A lot right. of stand on the perimeter and milk the clock and go ISO with guys who, as you say, were leaking oil, had dead legs, mm-hmm. and isolation just had not been working for them the whole game long. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, with, with the mailbag question we just had, uh, you know, talking about battle struggling to find his his it factor, I guess, coming off the bench. I defend – I think you'll agree with this. I defend Caleb's battle more than anyone around here. Yeah. 
I have reached a point where I'm like, okay, at some point you got to dial back. And it, it just strictly basketball-wise, take some better shots. Get them within the floor of the offense. Like, mm-hmm. we know Caleb's battle needs to get his shots up. But there's a way to go about it. Because now we're starting to, like, be inefficient and hurt him. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a guy who clearly has NBA aspirations. At some point now, he's got to go to the staff like, hey, I got to get going. Can we drop some simple plays to get me involved? Can we get some Zoom actions? Can we get me more involved in high pick and roll? Can, can we get some flex, some Spain, some pistol five, some something, uh, some, some post switch? Is something to help me out uh, because him just trying to go off the dribble, it's not working because it, he'll admit it himself, you know, uh, and this is what he always works on after practice. He can handle the ball, but he's not a great combination dribbler. He's not good at creating, yeah. you know, a lot of space off of it. He can get downhill uh, and transition, but just catch it at the wing and go ISO. He doesn't really have the the bag, you know, to get whatever he wants. So he's got to start being more, I guess, embracing of scoring off the ball and be more involved in cutting and passing and relocating. Uh so like you said, Sunday was a rough game for KB. Yeah, and, and Dame and KB both played 30 minutes. Again, they both came off the bench. I know that, um, and I did, you know, I wasn't down there in Houston. I did enjoy the the broadcast. And John Crispin, who ironically enough was on that, that Penn State team, the Temple beat in the Sweet 16 to get to the Elite Eight the last time that the Temple went to an Elite Eight with John Chaney, the pride of uh John Crispin and Joe Crispin, both the pride of, of Pittman, New Jersey, not far over the river in South Jersey. But I think John does a pretty good job. And John was saying, like, hey, I think that te- the Houston's offensive struggles here are just as much a, a product of what Temple has done defensively. But, yeah, John, who, you know, played basketball at a pretty high level, was also not a fan of them slowing the ball down. But you know, Damon and KB both came off the bench. And John was also saying when they started the second half, hey, you got to you got to get your better players in there sooner rather than later. But I think another teaching point for them is Aaron McKee can say, yeah, we went on the road and beat Houston. And I brought Damian Dunn and Caleb Battle off the bench. I mean, we can use the whole bingo card thing, like stop us if you had this on your bingo card at the beginning of the season, whether it's losing the Wagner at Maryland Eastern Shore, but beating Houston. But people would have looked at us like we were crazy back in November if we said, envision a scenario in late January where – Temple starts Zach Hicks, Nick Jordan, Heiser Miller, Jaleel, and Cor John Cooch, and brings Dame and KB off the bench. Now, they brought KB off the bench to start the season, but they both came off the bench, and Aaron did not have to compromise that. Now, granted, they didn't shoot the ball. They combined to go 4 of 21. Dame was 3 of 12 overall, 3 of 8 from 3. But again, he goes 7 of 8 from the line. KB, 1 of 9 overall, 1 of 6 from 3. Did knock down all four of his foul shots. Can you use, again, Javon, for, even for KB, again, he's an emotional kid. He's a very prideful kid. He's not going to be happy with, with one of nine. But can you use Sunday, again, as a teaching point for him, saying, look, you shot one of nine. We need more out of you. But you hit all four of your foul shots. You did turn it over three times, but you got us seven points. And even in the Memphis game last weekend, he assisted. He didn't shoot the ball well in that game either, but he assisted on Dame's game-tying three there are moments there. He's a kid that really has to settle himself. Can you use Sunday as a teaching point to say, hey, we won without you giving us 15 or 20 points, but imagine what we could do 
if you get your shot going again? Can you use and a kid who really, again, he's emotional, he's up and down, he's a human being, but can you use Sunday as a teaching point to say we won, but look at what happens when we buy in on the little things. But if we get a little bit more out of you, we could get that separation. Is that a conversation that you can have with a player like him? Yeah, you're on to something. You're just missing one key factor. His stat mm-hmm. line from Sunday, you said one for nine and one for six from three. Mm-hmm. That three part is where it's at. Uh, and that's just a problem you see across basketball these days, period, because everyone thinks they can be Steph Curry and the NBA promotes yeah. this nonsense, which is, you know, 43 threes a game, which is awful. Mm-hmm. Take less threes. Like, mm-hmm. instead, of, instead of jacking that up, pump fake and rip through. And maybe you don't get something in the mid-range. Maybe you don't get something in the rim. But you're getting the touch to the middle of the floor, and you're bringing the defense in. And now you've got at least three passes on the floor that you can meet. Lord baseline, he did that a couple times against Memphis, right, where he went baseline and created a little bit. And again, they weren't knocking down again. They missed a lot of shots against Memphis, but it was something that where you could kind of see Penny and his team say, okay, we didn't expect this, but it, it created something, you know? Yeah, just you don't have to settle for jacking the three ball. Uh, And, you know, anyone who's listening, if you got kids playing youth basketball, please emphasize this to them. You don't have to jack the three ball. You don't need no one needs any more than four attempts from from deep per game. Okay, maybe five, depending on your talent. Some guys shouldn't even be taking any. Some guys should be capped at three. You don't need to be taking any more than four or five per game. There's other ways to score and impact the game. Use the three-point line as a distraction, if you will. But you you don't have to keep jacking because that's what's killing your percentage and hurting the team. And anyone who plays basketball will tell you the easiest way to – the easiest half-court bucket to get is one where the other team has missed the three and you just got the long rebound. Something's bound to go wrong. The easiest way to give up a basket outside of a turnover is by taking a three and a long rebound starts to break. you can you can affect the team in other ways rather than shooting from 23 feet and, and further out. Well, let me ask you this question before we close things out by teasing some some football content to our listeners. How do you think KB responds to this? Do you think he looks at this and says, wow, winning feels pretty good, even though I don't love my stat line? Do you think he does respond in a way where he just all the things that you just outlined a couple minutes ago, do you think that he responds in a positive way coming off of that and see some of those results while getting them in a win? Maybe I can't, I can't get inside his mind either. It, there's two ways to go about this. Um, scale it back some, worry about passing some more, defending and letting buckets come more naturally to you, naturally to you, or you start forcing it to get yourself out of a slump, right? Or you start forcing it because you want to have something to do with your team winning you know uh sitting he's still 22 years old and and has dreams of playing professionally the thing scouts look for guys who are on winning teams and their reasons why their team is winning so you know if you're a guy like that wants to go pro you want to be a guy that is a reason for your team winning which means you can start forcing some stuff so there's different ways of how he can handle it and the way he goes about the way he goes about it it's really going to uh have a large impact on Temple season for the rest of the way. So one of the things that we wanted to preview for you here, one of the cool things that we have coming up, our Alscoop.com subscribers will have access to the full interview, but we'll play a clip of it here on the scoop before Javon and I get into more of uh, talking about obviously the big win over Houston and what's ahead 
and some football news as well. But I had the chance to talk for for close to an hour with former Temple guard Shiz Alston, who has now played professionally over in Japan. Had a great conversation with him, and uh, we might ultimately break that up into a couple of parts for our subscribers. So again, if you haven't yet subscribed to Al Scoop, now is a great time. Shiz uh, just gave me so much great anecdotal stuff about playing overseas, his time with John Cheney, what Aaron McKee means to him. And uh, just uh, all the really what's been going on with his life since he graduated from Temple and uh, was on that uh, that last Fran Dunphy team that, that went to the NCAA tournament in the playing game. But we're going to play this clip here. This is Shiz talking about what the win over Houston meant to him as a former player, because, yeah, well, it meant a lot to a lot of the former players. Shiz is really dialed in, still comes home works out with these guys. And so this is Shiz Alston, uh, a, a small excerpt of our conversation talking about, you know, just being able to watch the second half of the game all the way over in Japan and, and what the what the win meant for him as now a fan of the program and a former player. What did Sunday mean to you to, to, to see that? I don't know if you got the chance to watch the game or see it, but even whether you did or not, they beat yeah. the number one team in the country. First time that's happened in almost 23 years and, and they sure mm-hmm. needed it. What did that mean to you to just to see that? Well, yeah. So you said Sunday. Actually, it was Monday morning for me. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Six a.m. Uh, Monday morning. But uh, did you get man, up and watch the game? Yeah, I, I was uh. watching the game. I actually started at halftime, so I, I rolled over and I seen it was like either thirty to thirty or thirty-five thirty at half or thirty-five thirty-five at halftime. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, I gotta stay up for the rest of this. So I watched the whole second half, and it just meant a lot to me, man. Because when I'm home. I try to get in the gym with them guys as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Caleb have a relationship stemming back to when he's about six years old because I played with his brother Tyus at uh, yeah. AAU. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm constantly working out with Caleb uh, when I'm home. Uh, Zach Hicks joined a couple of workouts with us. Damian Dunn, I've known him since he got to campus. So I, I just know how much work they put in. And, uh, you know, it's been some rough times this year, but I know that they all want to win, and especially Coach McKee. I know how much he means to me, how much he means to to the city. So for him to get that win with all the noise that I've been seeing on Twitter and things about him, mm-hmm. it just meant a lot because I, I know how much he puts into the program. Yeah, And he's there. I mean, I used to get there at 6 o'clock and work out before the guys, and he was there with me in the mornings. So I know how much time and effort he puts in. So to see it pay off on a national stage like that on ESPN, it, was, it, it meant a lot. Well, it sounds like the simple question, but – I mean, we can see, we can look at the box score and all that stuff, but you, how would you explain this to a fan that that says, how the hell did they lose to Wagner? They lost to Maryland Eastern Shore. They 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 lost that Richmond game. They, I, I can't figure them out. And then they come out and, yeah, they didn't score. They didn't have a field goal in the last seven, minute and, seven minutes and change their part of that. I don't want to say it was by design, but you could tell Aaron mm-hmm. slowed things down. How do you look at what? How do you figure out this team, and what do you think they did differently to do what they did on Sunday? Well, it's just a defensive intensity. You know, um, they're so long and athletic at almost every position yeah. that it's hard for it's hard for teams to really score against them, and, and they take them out of their sets, and they rebound, and they all you know, like the last play, core comes in to get a good block. Like they're so long, they help each other out. So it's hard for offensive teams to really, you know, score against them. And I'll say, though, I was at the Maryland Eastern Shore game. I've seen about four or five three-pointers that Maryland Eastern Shore made off the backboard. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's not, sometimes it's just not your night. You know, those 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 teams get up to play against teams like Temple. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they get lucky, you know. Mm-hmm. And our team, we're young. They haven't been in a lot of those games where they were the hunted. 
you know, we, they always want all the hunters. So when they played against Wagner and uh, Maryland Eastern Shore, you know, those guys were coming out hungry. They wanted to upset Temple, and they weren't used to being in that position. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it was a learning lesson for those guys that every game, you know, you, you can win or you can lose no matter who you're playing. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen that, like, you know, we've seen that in the reverse when they beat Houston. Nobody picked us to beat Houston, but any given night, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think that the older these guys get and the more uh, connected they get, the better they'll be. All right. So, again, you you will have access if you have subscribed to Alscoop.com. You'll have access to the to the full interview. Again, he gave us some some really, really cool stuff. A lot of great stories uh, about you know his father, uh, LeVan Austin, who played for John Chaney. And just, to, again, about his time uh, being around Aaron McKee, being around Fran Dunphy, what it's been like playing overseas. A lot of great stuff. So look for that coming up. Yeah. Um, so before we close things out here. Uh, not a football heavy heavy episode, excuse me, to uh, to be sure this week. But last week we promised you some 2024 recruiting stories on Samari McCoy, who's an offensive and defensive lineman at Beaver Falls High School out by Pittsburgh. Jackson Whitaker, tight end and defensive end from Shore Regional High School in Jersey, and then Luke Sheehan, who's the quarterback at Middletown North, also a high school in that central North Jersey range. Uh, she and again is uh, another one of the Jersey quarterbacks who's worked out with Tony Rocopi, who again has worked with guys like Kenny Pickett and Tyler Douglas, who is now out of Ocean Township and now a mid-year enrollee already enrolled at Temple. Uh, so all those stories are up on the site now, thanks to, to Max Dinenberg and Liam Gianelli. We'll have some more recruiting content coming up and stay tuned for what we think will be some breaking uh, recruiting news soon. And Kyle Gauss also has some news uh, on our football message board about a potential JUCO defensive tackle the Temple's interested in. So again, if you haven't subscribed, now's a good time. Spring football is going to be here before you know it. Don't want to rain on the on the recent parade of the Temple basketball team again coming off the big win over Houston, but uh, we're not forgetting about football either as well. So that's going to do it for this week. Thank you for uh, joining me, Javon. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll hopefully have Kyle and Keenan back next week. Appreciate you guys sticking with us for another episode and we will talk to you soon.